Dear friends, go with God's blessing this day. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with his favor and give you his peace. Amen. Thank you for joining us in this time of worship. From all of us at St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School, we thank you for listening. More worship opportunities are available on our website at stpaulslutheran.net. Just click worship at the top of the page. May God bless you and your family each and every day. And again, thank you for listening. first lesson is recorded in the first 11 verses of the book of Acts chapter 1. In the first book, O Theopolis, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. To them he presented himself alive after his suffering by many proofs appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, Behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who has taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. This is the word of the Lord. We rise for the gospel. <laughs> 
Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the 16th chapter. Afterward, Jesus appeared to the eleven themselves as they were reclining at table, and he rebuked them for their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they had not believed of those who saw him after he had risen. And he said to them, Go into all the world, and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They'll pick up serpents with their hands, and if they drink any deadly poison, they will not hurt they will lay their hands on the sick, and they will recover. So then, the Lord Jesus, after he had spoken to them, was taken up into heaven, and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere, while the Lord worked with them, and confirmed the message by accompanying signs. This is the Gospel of the Lord. mercy and peace be to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for this morning comes from the Gospel according to St. Mark chapter 16. Jesus said to them, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak in new tongues, they will pick up serpents with their hands, if they drink any deadly poison, they will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick, they will recover. This is our text. So usually when we think about the Great Commission, we think about those verses from Matthew uh, chapter 28, verses 19 through 20. This is our theme verse for our school year here at uh, St. Paul's, I was reminded of it last night, I saw Mr. Nordmeyer there, and I was like, aha, wow, we are closing the, uh, the school year with the Great Commission. And usually when we think of the Great Commission from Matthew, 
uh, is we usually hear, we visualize it as a peaceful scene. You know? Though there was some darkness there, some of the disciples doubted. You can Im imagine they were just kind of puzzled at what was happening. Nevertheless, Christ gives to them the command. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And you can imagine the weather at the time. It's been the weather that we've had these past few days in Illinois. You know, nice, good weather, peaceful weather, right? The sun's not too hot. There's a breeze blowing through our risen Lord's hair. And as he commissions them, and there he promises them that he will be with them always to the end of the age. So when we get this peaceful scene in Matthew, Mark gives us a different scene. He gives us a scene of conflict. This scene is not on the hills of Galilee, but in the upper room. And rather than seeing Jesus in sunshine on a hill, the disciples are in a dark room. Jesus enters the scene. And he doesn't give them a warm, glowing greeting. Instead, Jesus rebukes his disciples for their unbelief and hardness of heart. Throughout the Gospel of Mark, the disciples just do not get it. They just do not get who Jesus is. Jesus had told them three times that he would die and on the third day rise. And even now, seeing the risen Lord, they still just do not get it. Jesus rebukes them for their unbelief. This is a very human interaction that Jesus has with his disciples. It shows us that Jesus retains his humanity even as he is risen from the dead and ascended. You know, Jesus gets angry with the disciples throughout the Gospel of Mark for having hard hearts. And now he rebukes them even after his resurrection. But by preaching to his disciples, Jesus installs in them faith. For faith comes through hearing and hearing through the word of God. Once Jesus gets done rebuking his disciples, he gives to them and the church the threefold task of making disciples by preaching the gospel to all, baptizing, and casting out demons. The first task Jesus says to them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. You know, we often think that just because the disciples had been with our Lord in his three-year uh, ministry and were with him and saw all the events that happened in the Gospels, that somehow that they had special knowledge that led them to faith that we do not. Well, that's not how Mark describes the reaction of the disciples here in our reading for today. And nor does the New Testament say in any way that the disciples had uh, faith through some sort of special means that are not available to us. No, they came to faith the exact same way we do. Faith comes through hearing, and hearing the word of God. Christ preaches to his disciples 40 days after Easter. And he does so because faith doesn't come through sight, but through hearing. Seeing the risen Jesus did not bring faith to the disciples, but Jesus' words did. Through his words, Christ taught his disciples what it meant for him to rise from the dead. His 
his words brought faith into their hearts. And now he gives to them the responsibility to preach his word to the whole creation. He gives this task through the preaching office. Through the sermon, you encounter Christ's words for you in the present, convicting you of sin through the law and making you alive through the gospel. The purpose of the sermon is Christ speaking to you today. Yet this preaching task goes beyond the pulpit. It goes into the homes of God's people. The task of making disciples does not rest upon the pastor's shoulders alone. As Dr. Gibbs from Concordia Seminary once quipped, there's enough work to go around. And so Christ has given each and every one of us here the responsibility of spreading the good news of Jesus. And because if we look around, the task is enormous. It can feel overwhelming, especially when we think it's all up to us to do it. But it is not. And thanks be to God for that. God has given to us the strength and means through which we bear witness to Christ's love to others. And these means that Christ has given to us are relationships that God has placed us in to be his masks. We are the masks of God in this world. We are, in other words, his agents, his secret agents of reconciliation. You know, and just thinking off of the top of my head, you know, we all have some, we all have a relationship with someone that we know should be in church today. You know, myself and even Pastor Copeland does not have these relationships. Pastor Copeland, uh, with uh, every funeral, he discovers new relationships, new blood relationships in the congregation that he doesn't even know about. And that's been, what, 25 years now? 27? Yeah. So you can imagine uh, that you all have those relationships that we do not. Can you imagine if you were just to invite one person from the congregation that should be attending here to church next Sunday? If everybody were to invite one person, that would double our worship attendance. This invitation is fulfilling Christ's call uh, to preach the gospel to all creation. And each member of Christ's body has a role in spreading the good news of Jesus. And Jesus tells us today that he gives us the power to do this. The second task, Jesus says to them, Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. The second task to make disciples is to baptize. And also there's the language of the Lord's Supper here in Mark 16 as they are reclining at table, a clear allusion to the Lord's Supper. So taken together, the sacraments are the means of grace through which God brings about his end times, promised healing right into the present. That end times healing that we see in Revelation 22, 1 through 2, as uh, St. John uh, writes here. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb to the middle of the city, the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life and the twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the, nation, of the nations. You know, we must not forget that river of life, uh, that font of baptism is the source of our salvation. 
And through the Lord's Supper, we receive the forgiveness of all of our sins. The sacraments are the power of the church. They are at the center of, 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 of the church's mission to bring Christ's healing to the world. You know, when we remember our baptisms, we remember the time in which God took the decisive action to save us from our sins. In the Lord's Supper, Christ continues to come to us just as he came to the disciples in the upper room to break our hard hearts and to give us encouragement, to strengthen our faith, to know that Christ in his salvation is not a feeling, right? And Christ in his salvation is not just a thought that we think in our head, but he comes to us in the sacrament outside of ourselves, outside of our thoughts and feelings to declare to us that our sins are forgiven. The third task, they will cast out demons. And this is sounds strange to us modern Lutherans. And this has to sounded strange 400 years ago. Because in reality, we have largely whitewashed the reality of the spirit world. But as Christians, we find ourselves in a real spiritual battle. Paul speaks of this battle uh, when he calls on us to don our baptismal armor, that is the armor of God in Ephesians. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. The world is full of real darkness. And Paul calls this era in, in Galatians that we live in the present evil age. Demonic oppression is all around us. Throughout the Gospel of Mark, when Jesus casts out a demon, he does not just simply remove the evil spirit. He heals the individual and also restores them to community. Take Jesus' encounter with the man at the garrisons. You know, as a result of this man's demonic position, he was out living in the tombs. He was living on a, on a, uh, with a bunch of dead people. And then when the people tried to help this man, they, they, all they could do was just retain, restrain him with chains. But he broke out of those too. Because they were trying to prevent him from hurting himself. He was cutting himself with stones. Now this man had no one. Then Jesus comes on the scene. He not only casts out a legion of demons, he restores this man's mind and makes him whole. He is no longer afflicted with the demons or the damage that they did to him. And not only does Jesus now make this man well in his body, but he also restores him to community. And this healing is an inbreaking of God's kingdom, God's final restoration on the last day. And so the man experiences this plea with Jesus, hey, I just want to come with you. And you know, at times, right? At times we may wish to, that we were like the man of the garrisons, that Jesus would take us with him too, right? This time, as Christ ascends, right? As he ascends, like, Lord, like, we want to be with you in heaven. But Jesus had other plans for this man. Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. 
and everyone marvel. The church is called to cast out demons, which means caring for people, both body and soul. Now, how many people today are like this man, possessed, alone, hurting? It doesn't take a lot of effort for us to think of others who are going through the same things as this man, uh, this man of the Gerasenes went through. You know, self-harm is demonic. So think of all the antichrist ideologies that encourage the destruction of the body through various medical interventions that permanently or, uh, or destroy bodily function. You know, Jesus gives the man of the Gerasenes the past to continue proclaiming Jesus and his message of restoration. And with that, we too, who were once enemies of God, are now invited to join Jesus in his healing ministry, to heal body, soul, and community. We're called to bear witness to the inbreaking of God's kingdom and the present. And this is all through the power of Christ's word. Then Jesus tells the disciples in the upper room, They'll pick up serpents with their hands, and they'll drink any deadly poison. It will not hurt them. Now, 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 we are not to read this too literally, right? We're not, you know, there are plenty of, of parts of Scripture that tells us not to test God, right? God used serpents to punish Israel in numbers, right? They're going to go out there and pick up those things, right? So what's going on here, right? There's a deeper, there's a deeper meaning here than Pentecostal snake handling. What Jesus is really saying is, is that we cannot be hurt by the ancient serpent, the dragon, the evil one, the devil. It is here that Christ promises that his, that his apostles will succeed in their ministry. And they did. And he proclaims to us today that at St. Paul's, we too will succeed in our ministry. And we will. He'll protect the ministry against the flaming darts of the evil one. On the cross, Jesus fulfills God's promise to Adam and Eve that the Messiah would crush the serpent under his feet. He took the poisonous bite of Satan for you so that you may never taste death. Satan and his venom can never hurt us again. He is now a defanged snake. And Mark goes even further. That when Christ ascends to the Father in heaven, he is now seated at the right hand of, of the Father. And that word seated there has a, has a meaning in the Near Eastern context, both then and now, as one who has authority. If you sit down, you are one who has authority. And now that Christ is seated, seated at the right hand of the Father, that means that he has absolute authority over all creation. Which means that for us, Christ has won that spiritual battle for us. Right? Not even the gates of hell, hell can prevail against Christ and his church. And then they went out and preached everywhere while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the message by accompanying signs. Jesus entrusted the apostles, these eleven unlearned men, to spread the gospel to the world. And now that message is entrusted to you. You know, they didn't have bachelor's degrees. They didn't go through Dale Carnegie training. They didn't have a formal seminary education. They were taught directly by our Lord. 
They were empowered by the same Holy Spirit who empowered the apostles in their ministry. Christ entrusted them and with us now with three tasks. Preach the gospel to all, baptize, and cast out demons. And Christ has promised us today success. And so, go and do likewise. The ascended Christ is with you always. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all human understanding, keep our hearts and minds in the one true faith unto life everlasting. Amen. Dear friends, let us confess our faith using the words of the Nicene Creed we confess together. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father and he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and Son together is worshiped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. 
Amen. Dear friends, go with God's blessing this day. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with his favor and give you his peace. Amen. Thank you for joining us in this time of worship. From all of us at St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School, we thank you for listening. More worship opportunities are available on our website at stpaulslutheran.net. Just click worship at the top of the page. May God bless you and your family each and every day. And again, thank you for listening.